Honestly, the first thought that I probably ever had like, before we ever spoke was, huh. that guy's really fit. I was very fit. <laughs> you were during, absolutely jacked. That was peak Micah. Give me those 25-year-old <laughs> stem cells. I would sleep on the concrete floor yeah. for my break because I was so tired because I had to be there at 7 in the morning. You would wake up at like 5. Because we opened at 7. And I did that for like a year and a half. And I get emotional just because I'm so grateful for the life that we've been able to create. We've been so immensely blessed. The low times make the high times even sweeter. Welcome back to the Fortitude Podcast. I am your host, Micah Wallace, and I have the privilege of interviewing the one and only Mrs. Sarah Elizabeth Wallace. Hello. Hello. (laughs) You're looking absolutely stunning. Thank you, babe. You're welcome. Even at 1137. (laughs) PM. PM. Yeah, that's right. I, I went full Andrew Huberman on you, <laughs> as you can see, with the black crew. Mm-hmm. Huberman husband. I am a here. Huberman husband, <laughs> 100%. Anything he says, I take his gospel. That like, yep, phrase is doing so it. funny. So are you excited? Or are yeah. you nervous? I'm not nervous. You're I'm not excited, nervous? though. All right. Well, I might I might hit you with some some crazy ones. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. Obviously, as we're recording this, you can see that it is Christmas time. I don't know if it's going to be Christmas time when this gets released. <laughs> so. Doubtful, but it's fun anyway. <laughs> it is fun. Uh, we, we might have the Christmas uh, decorations still up by the time it re- gets released. That's I don't know. I'm pretty prompt to take them down. Are you though? We had, our, we had our Christmas tree up for a bit last year. Yeah, but now I don't have a job, so I can mm. do it much, much faster. Right. I would have taken it down sooner if I'd had the time. How, is, the time. how is that going, by the way? Not having a job. How has that transition been for you? It's been interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a welcome transition, obviously. Yeah. Something that we've been working towards. But right. I am so wired for productivity and performance mm. that I'm, I mean, you know this, like I've said to you that I, like, if I don't wake up at 6 a.m., I like feel like I'm trash. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You have said that. So it's figuring out what works for me as far as getting everything I need to get done, done, but also sleeping for eight hours. You know, the whole, the whole reason why we've worked towards not being employees is so that we own our time, you know? And part of that is being able to sleep for eight hours, no matter what time we're going to bed, you know, I don't allow myself to do that. Mm. So it's figuring out like how I can be productive, also allow myself again the whole reason why I wanted time freedom is so I can spend more time on my spiritual life, spend more time, just be healthier all around. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like learning a new level of how performance driven I am. Yeah. I've shed some of those things over the course of my life. That's something you've been as, working on for, for a while. Yeah, for years. Yeah. It has allowed me to realize the next layer of that, that there's still, that is still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still like kind of sometimes where I feel my value comes even though I know that's not where my value comes from it's hard for me to separate it right from how I perform and how much I accomplish has that been since you were a kid oh, or yeah. was there was there a point where you felt like that started being part of your I, I guess where you put a lot more value in performance was there like a, a span of time like high school college or was that kind of all just growing up you've always uh, been like that I think my whole life yeah because when you do well at things and then you get praise for that. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, oh, okay. So 
I'm smart because I do this or I'm good because I do this. Yeah. And then it's like, well, now if I don't do those things, then people are going to think I'm not smart. Or if I don't do those things, people, I'm not going to be good enough. Even mm-hmm. though no one ever said that, it's just something that sort of happens in our minds, I think, as when we're, when we're young. Right. Um, as far as my parents were so supportive of me and like just gave me so much affirmation mm-hmm. all my life, which obviously was welcome and, and great. Yeah, your parents are amazing. Shout out Jamie and Bruce. <laughs> you <laughs> yes, guys are they, the best. And I've always just been wired to do well, mm-hmm. like in school, grades, Whatever I'm doing, I want to be good at it. I mean, as long as I've known you, you've always had high ambition and been a high achiever, which I feel like, I don't know, the crux is, I don't know if that's the word, but for a lot of high achievers, that seems to be a through line where destination oriented. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, I just like once I get to this many followers, once I get this much money, once I get to this, you know, step in my career. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah it's always like, then I'll be happy. Yeah. And we, I think at this point, we all know that, that the, the happiness formula doesn't exist. Right. That's, that target always moves. That's what's been so interesting about not having a job mm. because first number of years, yeah, it's totally. been like, we've been talking about it. I'll for be like five years. now. I'll be happier when I don't have a job. I'll be whatever. This will be easier when I don't have a job. That will be easier when I don't have a job. And it's, it's I mean, it's exactly what you said. Is it an immense privilege of course i'm aware of of that it's a privilege but it's also something that we've worked really hard for right so it's just so interesting that the new ways that i'm learning about myself Mm -hmm. and the new layers that i'm starting to uh just grow and change and it's just what you were saying it's just another realization of there will never be a thing that you achieve that you're like great i'm satisfied if you're wired to achieve right which is why separating like being able to still have a good day if everything didn't go exactly as you would have had it go. Yeah. Or if you weren't able to do everything that you had in your mind that you could do in that day, still being like, I did my best today. Mm. You know, that's hard when you're, when you're wired to achieve. It's like, well, did I do my best though? I can say I did but could I have done more? You always feel like you could have done more. That, that's something we've talked a lot about as well of feeling like if I wasn't productive, whatever that means yeah. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the day was wasted mm-hmm. and I get into kind of like a slump. Yes. And the days where we're super productive, yeah. I feel great and yeah. I feel kind of like on a high. Yep. It's just a, I, finding a balance, I guess, yeah. in that because I think it, there's importance of rest. Like, of course, God literally rest rest for a day. God himself did. And right. he definitely didn't have to. Right. And so when he, it's like on the seventh day, God rested. Yeah. He's so all being, to you know, and so, well. uh, I think he was obviously just doing that to show us the importance of rest. Yeah. So there's uh, there there's a lot of value in that. It's just yeah. really hard to do sometimes. It is. Cuz you feel like you're going backwards. Yes. And when I don't know about you, but for me you kind of like start to play games in your head of like, well, like other people aren't resting. Yeah. Other people are overachieving and, and, and not using excuses and, and they're getting yeah. ahead. Like, and like, I'm falling behind yes. if I'm, if I'm taking a day yeah. to rest, that is a constant thing that I'm working on. Yeah. I know that you just said you are too. I heard this uh, quote by Adam Grant mm. talking about how comparison isn't the thief of joy. It's 
envy is the thief of joy. Mm, where yeah. you're envious of somebody that steals your joy. And I feel like that is so true. Yeah. There can be a lot of good in comparison where you're looking at, at somebody as an example. Sure. To has, compare yourself right. with when it, whether it's like a father. If it's a healthy or, lens. Yes, a healthy lens of like, oh man, this person's really good in this area. How can I learn from this? Of course. But, I don't really think of that as comparison. In my mind, that's not like I, when okay. I think of the people I admire, I don't compare myself to the people that I admire or like mentors and coaches in our life. I don't ever compare myself to those people. I just look at them as examples of, okay, well, they're doing this, sure. so I'm going to do the same thing so that I can get the same outcome that they're getting, or I'm going to read the same book that they're reading, or I'm going to study the same, you know, devotional that they're studying or whatever it is. That's to me is not really comparison necessarily it's I think it's it's more people that you feel peer-to-peer with that you that you compare yourself to I agree when you compare yourself you become envious and that's what leads to like roots of bitterness and other negative things if you don't become aware that you that you have a trend to have your thoughts go in that direction and like cut that off then it obviously becomes an unhealthy thought pattern that can be difficult to break out of. But I agree. Envy is ruts the bones, I believe the Bible says. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. So you didn't grow up in New York, obviously. No. Well, I don't know about obviously, but some people <laughs> probably don't know that. So where so obviously. where'd you grow up and you know, how was that? How was your childhood growing up? Oh there? wow, we're really going back. Yeah, let's just go back. Man, alive. Yeah, okay. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Mm. Great place to grow up. Um, love going back to visit. It's gotten so cool since I haven't lived there since I was 18. It's gotten so cool. There's so much to do, so many restaurants. My upbringing was was great. Mm-hmm. Like two loving, supportive parents. Your parents are the best. They They're are. Great. They are. And My so, parents are too. Yes, they are. Amazing. We both grew up in very blessed family situations. Absolutely. Where did the performing come in? Like, did were your parents performers? Like, where where did you get the bug? And like, when that when did that start? Do you remember like an age? I took ballet. My mom put me in ballet when I was five. Okay. And I was like, this is boring. I'm gonna quit. So I I, I carried. I did the full year. Like I did the full year of of that. And then I was like, I don't want to yeah. anymore. Because I just didn't. I was five, and it was right. ballet. Um, Ballet's freaking hard. It is, especially when you're five. Oh my gosh. Um, So then I think I was seven or eight when I was like, I want to take dance again, but I do not want to take ballet. I only want to take jazz, please. Then I went back to the same studio where I had gone when I was five to take ballet and took jazz. And then I was like, well, now I want to take tap. So then I started taking jazz and tap. And then my dance teacher who owned the studio, um, Miss Diane, shout out to Miss Diane. She taught me so much. Was like, if you're going to do, continue to do this, you have to take ballet. You're not six years old, like tootling around. Like you got to, you, to really develop yourself as a dancer, you need to take ballet. Were you like dance Excuse moms? Me. Like, oh my gosh, no. Oh no. My studio was not super competition heavy. Oh, okay. Not when, not when I was there. I think they do more competing now. But when I was there, it was like very, very classic, very, uh, we went to one competition a year and it was like a convention competition where we took class and we competed and we were almost always the only studio that had like point that did point at the competition. Oh, just because as things started to, I feel like as the dance world started, started to evolve, that wasn't 
the thing anymore. It was like hip hop and contemporary and modern. And we didn't really do any of that. It, we were like jazz tap ballet. And I, I loved that because I never wanted to do any of the other stuff. I loved the classic stuff. Um, and I'm still that way. It wasn't like dance moms. <laughs> um, <laughs> you think you'll be a dance mom if we, you know, if we have a kid that's like super into commercial dance? What does that even mean? Like you're, you're the one that like takes, takes your kid to every commercial. I don't know. I don't know. I've never actually seen it. I, I'm just like throw, throwing out something I've never seen. I'm a, I'm a big phony. I'm a literal, I'm a big phony. Like dance mom usually has a negative connotation. I know. I think it is. Yeah, I think it does too. I, I don't necessarily know why. I hope our kid wants to dance. That'd be fun. I know, that like throwback for me, but our kid's probably going to be into like baseball or something. Like something I know nothing about. You know what? Whatever, whatever a kid uh, wants, wants to, to do, do, as long as it's singing, dancing, playing basketball, Loves anime. Loves anime? Yeah, is super popular in middle school and high school. Middle school? <laughs> Goodness me. For I those who what you asked me. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to Oh, where on. I got the performing bug. Yeah. My family. My family's very musical. Very Are musical. They? Yeah. Oh, okay. My mom sings. My grandma sings, plays piano. My family on my, on my mom's side is very musical. My aunts can all sing. My cousins can sing and play instrument, play mm -hmm. instruments. There, I, I have an aunt who's a musician and a cousin who is a musician. And then my other cousins have all done different musical stuff. My cousins would like play at like local places in, in Wichita where I grew up. And I was always like, I want to be in the band. But I was too young. Okay. There was a big gap between me and the, and like my next oldest cousin. Mm -hmm. So I was like 10 and they were like 17, 19 and 23 or whatever. Yeah. So that's a, you know, that's a big, that's a big difference in as far as where you're at in life. Right. <laughs> that's where that, a lot of the inspo came from. And yeah. then it's, you got into dance. It's so dance funny. I have a very, cool. I have a really core memory of watching my cousins sing together and being like, man, I wonder if when I get older, I'm going to understand how to sing harmony. <laughs> like, I really want to yeah. be able to sing, to find harmony when I sing. I wonder if, like, am I ever going to be able to do that? Or is that just something that I Are can't do? Are you scared do? that you'd be tone deaf? Not tone deaf, but that I wouldn't be able to sing harmony. I just thought mm. it was so cool in my... <laughs> now you literally don't even know how to sing to the melody. <laughs> we'll be singing to something, and Sarah does... Like she'll forget the melody. That's she'll true. only sing the harmony. Yeah, that's to true. Things. I do do that with some you things. You do. You do. Well, I'm glad I learned how. Yeah. I was scared when I was younger that I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> so for those who have been following your blog, uh, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to her email list, Sarah puts out a new blog every week and she is a phenomenal writer. She has a gift Thanks, babe. and she is super vulnerable and raw and honest and I think it's just, it's super impactful and I want her to write a book, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's an overwhelming thought as mm -hmm. at the moment, but I think that's something in her future. So that's at the fortitude project.com, the fortitude project, subscribe to her email list because it's good stuff. So for those who have been following, know that you had a brother all throughout your childhood, mm -hmm. all throughout your childhood and most of your adult life mm -hmm. like going into your adult life mm -hmm. and for those who don't know her brother was born with spina bifida which means i believe it means you have a hole in your spine well just does your spinal cord doesn't develop mm. completely okay like it doesn't finish 
finish developing and like closing off. Right. I unfortunately were, was never able to meet him, uh, which is, uh, that's a bummer. Um, so crazy. Yeah, it is. Kind of, it is crazy. Cause I know that was such a huge part of your life. So growing up, did you, cause somebody with a, a disability obviously just needs a lot more attention, sure. uh, you know, uh, from a parent, I would assume. You can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. As a kid, did you ever feel, oh, my brother's getting more attention from my parents or no? Was that like never a thing? Mm. No, I never felt that way. Really? Yeah. I don't know why necessarily. I feel like- Was that the case or no? Like he needed more attention? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because he required help to do things that I could do for myself. Yeah, exactly. That's just the nature of of disability. So I didn't know it like as a kid if you had that thought or, you know- or yeah. if that was hard or... I guess I never thought about it when mm-hmm. I was a kid because that was just my life. That was that was my brother. That was the only sibling I ever had. That's the only life I ever knew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think anything of it. Also, my parents, like I didn't ever feel like... I don't have any memories of like trying to get my parents' attention or wishing that I had more. Like they paid a lot. I, I, they'll tell you some stories. Like I was a attention needing child i'm still an attention needing adult well (laughs) um so (laughs) they gave me plenty of attention like i don't ever remember a time where i needed them or where i asked them to play with me or do something with me or whatever where they were like where they said no Mm. i have no memory of that ever happening can you talk a little bit about like that the whole experience with that and just kind of like what you saw in other families and like the community of that. And uh, I think it's very misunderstood by a lot of people that have never had. You mean like disability in general? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I definitely think it is misunderstood. Oftentimes when people see someone with a disability, they get very awkward. Mm -hmm. and They don't know. They feel like they can't treat that person like they would treat any other person for whatever reason. Right. Like my brother was my brother. I grew up with him. So it was like, you didn't know any other, like you didn't know any other way. Right. It was just, I didn't, I didn't know any other way. And so obviously like I always was just like treating my little brother, like my little brother, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and we would get on each other's nerves and I would annoy him. I mean, he couldn't, you know, when he was younger before he was like in his, before he had his wheelchair where he could zip away from me, like he couldn't get away from me, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which, you know, I used to my advantage as a big sister when I wanted to be a bully, but (laughs) it's so funny that it needs to be said, but people with disabilities are just like every other person. I have dear friends now that, that have disabilities and it's just, it's so interesting to watch the way that people treat full grown adults just because they have a disability. PSA, if you interact with someone with a disability, <laughs> just treat them like a person. Yeah. You don't have to treat them like a kid. Like, you treat them like they're a child. Just because there's something, again, like, if, if someone is using a wheelchair, people assume their mental capacity is not, is not the same. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. People just make assumptions versus having a conversation with the person and being like, oh, I'm just conversing with this person the same way I would with anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just life. Mm-hmm. But then I did see my brother had friends who had disabilities and many of them did not have the same kind of parents 
as my parents. Their parents just kind of treated them more as a burden. They didn't necessarily, they weren't willing, like they would maybe leave them behind when they went on a trip versus, which is just like absolutely blows my mind that you would take all your children on a trip and leave one behind Mm. because like they need a little bit of extra help. That like is, I can't even, I can't even fathom, like it makes me emotional. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your parents were always amazing. Uh, well, I, I, I wasn't there or, or you just the, with the stories yeah. that you told me about, yeah. talked about this in our story, which if you haven't seen that, go and check out our first podcast. Um, we talk all about our entire story from when we met and all the way up until now. It's pretty juicy. And there is a lot of juice to it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of juice. When your brother passed away, what were you afraid about? Cause I think there's a pretty high, correct me if I'm wrong, but pretty high statistic that parents typically split after something as hard as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was that ever a worry in your, in your mind or? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to get emotional again. I know. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I told you I was going to hit you with some, some rough ones. I mean, I figured that I would cry because that's what I do. Yeah. Luckily you've told me I'm a graceful crier you are a graceful crier yeah and i think i think it is i think that is i don't know the statistic of like parents who lose a kid and mm-hmm. if they end up splitting but yeah that was definitely something that i was afraid of it seems like it it, it brought them like closer together yeah it did and Which i feel and like it's such a god it's, thing and it's demonstrative of who they are as people yeah because they chose to lean into their relationship and just decide, oh, we're in a new phase of life now. Because obviously that's, if you have a child with a disability, even though they become an adult, they still need help. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their energy was going was going towards that, obviously. So when that is taken away, you're kind of like, wow, this has been where so much of my bandwidth has gone um, for years. To see them choose to like rebuild their relationship, for lack of a better word, because I think they did funnel so much of their time into him and into, and into me, into both of us, which to the, to their credit, they gave us everything, but to watch them rebuild their relationship and just be like, okay, now like we're in a new phase of life where it's just the two of us has been such a, a really cool thing yeah, to it's been, see. I, I've really only known your parents yeah. um, after the fact and it, it is really cool to see. Sh- another shout out to the, to Sarah's <laughs> parents. Switching gears, mm-hmm, uh, okay. you know, so that you stop crying. Away from the crying. Yeah, yeah. You moved to New York City. So you got the, you know, you got sure the, the dancing bug, uh, the performing bug. You went to college for dance. Mm-hmm. And then you move out to New York City. Yep. So going from Wichita, Kansas to New York City mm-hmm. seems like kind of a big jump. Sure. How was that transition going, like moving into New York City? Did yeah. it feel like home or did it was it pretty overwhelming or? Felt like home immediately. Hmm. Um, I feel like New York City is kind of like that, where it's you either really love it and you're like you just kind of fall into the like fall into the pace of it, yeah, and like the accessibility and but it also you all you either love it or you hate it'll it. It'll chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, it'll chew you, you up. It. Yeah, I was always like, this is what I'm doing, and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna be successful at it. So I honestly didn't even consider another option. I never even considered the fact that I would move to New York and not like it. I didn't even have that in my mind as a possibility. I was, I, I don't know. I never, I'd never even thought that that would be a thing that would happen. So I moved here. I felt at home immediately. I literally got 
I'd never served before in my life or like worked in service restaurants. Uh, got a service job two days after I moved here and dove right in. I was like, well, here I am. I need to make money. I need to audition. So that's what I did. Literally just moved here, moved in, hit the ground running, and here I am 11 years later. <laughs> wow. For those who aren't privy to kind of the performer life, mm -hmm. uh, what was that process uh, like over the past decade of performing? Like, was there a stretch? Did you book something relatively quickly or was there stretches of time where you had to kind of grind it out and go to a bunch of auditions mm -hmm. and wait in line, show up super early? Mm -hmm. And because a, a lot of people don't know that process of going to absolutely horrible, <laughs> going to non-act calls or signing yeah. up for waking equity up calls at, and waking up at like five in the morning or yeah. four in the morning to yeah. go and put your name on a list and hope that you get selected to audition. Yeah. Uh, to potentially get called back. Yeah, like waiting in line outside the building in the freezing cold, dark weather. Yeah. Mostly I booked things pretty close together, which was always a blessing. I think That's I- That's because you're freaking talented. <laughs> thanks, babe. The longest, I remember the longest stretch that I went. And that was from, I got off my cruise ship co contract early so that Nick and I could get married. Mm. And then we got married on our honeymoon and then it was a year a little over a year before i booked anything again mm. that's when i that's when i booked the tour those of you who don't know nick was her previous husband who then a year and a half later came out to her as gay that's all in our story in our first podcast <laughs> but just to catch you up if I you're also, wondering who nick was i also wrote a blog about it she, um, she did and about forgiveness and shout out to nick he's an amazing person we have a great friendship now um yeah, yeah that was the longest stretch that I went. Because you did Legally Blonde on the ship. Yes. And then you booked the tour, did Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And I think. And then you booked Elf, the tour. Yes. Right? I think between the ship and the Beauty and the Beast tour, I booked a few things that I said no to mm. because I wanted to do things that were going to up my, like move me up the ladder. If you add, I don't know, for lack of a better phrase. Right. Um, where I could get like the next level of thing on my resume and network with with people who were at higher levels when it came to performing. That was a hard year because I was working like three, four jobs. Um, I was grinding mm -hmm. and just was stressed monetarily. Uh, was yeah. definitely just not, I, I didn't know how to manage my finances properly then. Would I, you say it built your fortitude? <laughs> it definitely <laughs> did. I, I always think it's so interesting when, you know, you look at someone with where they're at in their life now and you can have a an idea of what you th that you think their life is so easy mm. and that oh well it it looks this way now so it must have always been that way when right. i think for most people it's like we have an amazing life and we're not even anywhere near close to where we want to be in life yeah. you know <laughs> like not even but again going close. back to that destination yeah. oriented though <laughs> right. cuz like that yeah. that will always move of course cuz i i heard this quote and it's so true it's like you have achieved the goals that you said would make you happy yeah like you you are living out certain goals that you have prayed for mm. yeah in your life right and it's so easily forgotten yeah when you get to that destination it is it really really is so it really does come i mean it comes back to the process and the journey of it yeah whereas we were just talking about the anticipation of christmas yeah. the anticipation 
of Christmas is better than Christmas Day. Yeah. Whereas Christmas Day comes and there's kind of like the, uh, you, you get the Sunday scaries. Yeah. For those of you who work in corporate America, you know, who work at like a nine to five, you know what that means. Or the Schmundays, I've heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, at the back end of, of Sunday, you're like, oh, you kind of like get a little depressed and you're like, I have to go back to work tomorrow. And you're already thinking that way. Mm-hmm. I think cr- like the day, the Christmas day is kind of like that where you're like, yeah. Oh, this is about no, to like be over, over. Yeah. and then Christmas is going to be over. Yeah. And so I think the same thing happens with that mentality of sure. once I get yeah. here, of course, but then it's like, you look back on the journey. I think about like where we were just like four years ago yeah. or four, you know, it wasn't that long ago. It was a yeah. college four year, you know, like the yeah. the amount of time that you're in college was four years ago. I, you were working three different jobs, two or di- two, maybe what different jobs. Four years ago, and I was working 20. a service job where I would, I think it was at a bagel shop and I would have to, I would sleep on the concrete floor yeah. for my break because I was so tired because <laughs> I had to be there at seven in the morning and I worked until 3 p.m. I think you got there at like six. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I think you're really right. I think early. it was six, six. You would wake up at like five. Because we opened at seven. So it was. Yeah, it was like, yeah. So 5 a.m. And I did that for like a year and a half. Yeah. And, and worked there, uh, yeah, four or five days. So but that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like the things that people do when they're figuring it out and the yeah. seeds that they're planting where they're working their buns off mm-hmm. and being re- and really uncomfortable. Hey, you watch know? your language, by the way. <laughs> Buns. Buns, my goodness. <laughs> We're going to have to censor that in the edit. <laughs> Family friendly over here. Yeah. Um, and those seeds that you plant during that time and the way that your character grows. Right. I think those things are like, those things are so key. I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't have grinded the way that I did over the last 10 years. Yeah. I agreed. And I want to, and, and the thing is, is like, when I think about that, it's, it's exciting because I look back on the journey and I'm like, wow, look at who I became in that journey. And I'm really proud of who I am today, but I know what in 10 more years, I'm going to be like, who was that person 10 years ago? She was, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to have come even further and be like, wow, I'm so proud of who we've become 10 years from now. Um, and just keep doing that as long as God keeps us on the earth, appreciate the journey, mm-hmm. enjoy it. If you don't enjoy the journey, you, you're not enjoying most of your life. Right. Cause that is the journey. It is. Like your life is the journey. It is. <laughs> like even when you achieve your goals, it's like such a fleeting yes. feeling. It's a moment. It's a fleeting feeling yes. of like, oh, I accomplished this. And then you're like, your thought, you kind of have this like, <sighs> you have this sigh of like relief almost of like, I did it. Good for me. All right. What's next? What else? Yeah. yeah what's next? Yeah. Like you're, you're on to the next. So yeah, uh, it definitely is the journey because that. Uh, and, and you hear that a lot. I know that it sounds a little cheesy, but it's true. If you can just learn to enjoy the process, even in, even in the seasons that are tough, yeah, which those are the ones that mold you the most, you do build your character, yeah. knowing that on the other side of that is where the fruit is going to come. I've gotten a lot of questions from our followers about talking about your faith journey. Mm. So did you grow up in a household where you had a faith, what, you know, Christianity, whatever. Um, and how much has that grown and become such a strong part of your life? Mm -hmm. Yes. Grew up Christian in a Christian house, going to church, doing the 
just normal Christian things. In high school, we stopped going to church just because, like, I don't know, it's kind of a weird, it became like a weird environment. Just felt very, I don't know, people were there for the wrong reasons, kind of there to like show off what they had versus learn about Jesus. So we stopped going. We stopped going to the church we were going to when I was in high school. Mm. And then in college, I didn't go to church at all. I like, it's not that I stopped believing or stopped having a faith because I never did. I just wasn't, I wasn't being intentional with it. So then it wasn't when it was when I moved to New York that I started to re-dive into that. I started, I found a church to go to uh, when I moved here. And then I just continued on that kind of building that relationship as an adult and figuring out what it meant for me to have a faith as an adult and what realizing that I had never, I didn't grow up in like a super like ruler on the back of the hand church, you know, but I also didn't really understand that Christianity is about relationship, not rules. Mm. And so it wasn't until I was in that adult discovery phase of leaning into building a friendship with God, actually spending time with him. Because how do you have a relationship with someone who you don't spend any time with, you know? Reading the Bible as an adult, all of that. So then, and then that trajectory just kind of continued for me as I continued to grow. Um, Like when I was on the cruise ship, I would say that's when I really dove into it because I spent a lot of time alone on that contract and I got really close to God during that contract. And I was so grateful for that. And then on, and then everything just, once tour happened, my life pretty much imploded and I really had no choice other than to lean into God. And I was already, I was still, I look back on my journal and I'm like, even impressed with myself then. I'm like, wow, you really leaned on your faith because some of that stuff I have forgotten. I'm so glad I wrote a lot of it down Yeah, because I had forgotten the ways, like how I was praying and like how continuously I was praying mm-hmm. and how I never lost the faith that God was going to carry me through that the hard season I was in and that he was going to heal my heart. And he, you know, um, it's crazy to look back on. I think it's really powerful to write down our prayers because then we, when we go back and see, it's easy to forget all the prayers that God has answered for us over the course of our life. Maybe he didn't answer them the way that we thought he would, but definitely not during the timing that you wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you write those things down, it's, it's crazy to see how he, he just, he always shows up. And it's in such a, not saying God's on a vending machine. I'm not saying you pray and you receive what, what you, what you want then and there, but the ways that he takes you on a journey to get to where he answers whatever prayer you've been, that you've had. Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of writing those things down. So you remember, would you say that that's, that was the biggest thing that carried you through just like the hardships that you've gone through? Cause like your brother passed and then a couple months later, you know, your husband comes out to you. And then this past year, for those of you who don't know, we got pregnant and eight weeks later, um, she had a miscarriage. So, you know, those are three pretty impactful kind of traumatic events. How did you cope with your miscarriage and how do you feel about having kids now? Um, I mean, to answer your first question, yeah, faith has always been how I've gotten through the hard times Mm -hmm. and I haven't ever, I don't know why. I don't know why this is not like a, I'm so awesome thing, but I just haven't ever had any inclination to be mad at God or blame God or anything like that. 
I've always, in everything difficult that's happened to me, I've always leaned in to God and been like, you're what's going to get me through. You knew this was going to happen, so just just help me get to the other side, please. That's a good way to put it because a lot of people can easily blame God yeah. for things that they've gone through yeah. and be like, why, like, why me? Why me? Kind of a, a situation. Or whether you believe in God or whether you just, you know believe in the universe or, or, or whatever, you know, it's kind of that either have uh, life is happening for me or life is happening to me kind of yeah. mentality. Yeah. If you have a faith and you go through some traumatic experiences like that, you can be like, you know, why, why me? Like, why would you allow this to happen? Yeah. But you never had that thought. No, not ever. And like I said, I don't know why. I just always knew that I was going to be okay. I know that God is good. I know that he loves me unconditionally and he works everything out for my good. I mean, everything that happens in that we live in a broken world. So obviously not everything that happens to us is good. And that's just the way that it goes. Yeah. So it's life. That's the, I was reflecting earlier today, actually. And it was just like, man, the year has, we've had a lot of like very high highs and low lows this year. Yeah. And I was just like, that makes for such a beautiful life, you know? And I get emotional just because I'm so grateful for the life that we've been able to create. And I, we've been so immensely blessed and I never want to take those things for granted. And it's just the low times make the high times even sweeter because you think of all you've been through or you think of how you overcame or whatever it is. And I, I'm just, I'm appreciative for, for all of it for for mm-hmm. this you know i'm appreciative for that because it 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 makes for such a a rich life and rich relationships when you can go through those things with someone um or have ups and downs in a in a relationship that are where you become deeper rooted mm-hmm. in connection with one another through those things um i think that's so powerful i feel like it'd be hard to have appreciation if you didn't ever go through struggle yeah if you had a really easy life where everything kind of went your way, it'd be pretty hard to have appreciation for things Yeah, because you never knew anything else. You never knew it, you know, going through trial, going through adversity. And so you had nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think you, you see billionaire kids that get everything. They aren't necessarily happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not all, I'm not saying all of them, you know, yeah. and just kind of generalizing, I know, but I do think appreciation comes from if you've gone through adversity and struggle and you've had seasons like that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do some follower questions, shall we? Yeah. Well, I like this one. Okay. What did Micah do that made you fall in love with him? <laughs> <laughs> His whole being. <laughs> Um, nice. That's funny. It's not necessarily that there's not like one thing that you did. It's just who you who you are as a person, your heart and your just your groundedness and your desire to enrich your own life so that you can enrich other people's lives. I just always I always saw those things in you. Oh. oh. Bong. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, babe. You're welcome. What was your first impression of me? <laughs> uh, Be honest. Honestly, the first thought that I probably ever had, like before we ever spoke, was uh-huh. like, that guy's really fit. 
<laughs> I was very, I was very fit <laughs> during the tour. Absolutely jacked. I'm, I'm working on getting back to that shape, but they. You look great that now, was, babe. That was peak Micah. That was yeah. Twenty five. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um. Oof. Give me, give me those twenty five year old stem cells, <laughs> please. How did you know you wanted to marry me? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. How do I know I wanted to marry you? Well, I knew that there was the that I could marry you because I saw the vision that you had for your life and that you wanted to create a life that was, I don't know, I kind of hate using the word unconventional. It just seems like, I don't know why I don't like it. I feel like there's a better word I could use. But you wanted to build a life that was different than what most people create with their life. I wanted the same. And so when when I saw that, I was like, oh, we could really like do something cool together, whatever that meant, you know, sure. at, at that time. I had no idea. You shared shared a common vision yes. for, for our life. Yes. Uh, so going back to the question, because I kind of like threw it in there. It wasn't, a, it wasn't great timing. Mm. So how did you cope with your oh. miscarriage and how do you feel about having kids afterwards? Mm. Like, did that scare you from having kids? I mean, I just coped with my faith and prayer and, and... I mean, honestly, having trusted counselors and guidance in our life to go to, that's how. Like, being able to talk to a counselor about it, being able to talk to uh, just, you know, the coaches that we have in our life, the people who we go to, who we trust, who have, who share our values, who have outcomes in their life that we want in ours, being able to be open and honest with those people is what is what helped me. Did that scare you from having children? It didn't scare me from having children. Like, did I, was I wanting to like try again immediately? No, because I needed a moment to, to heal from that. And also for my body to just like relax. Yeah. It's like, no one really talks about what your body goes through when, when you go through that. I had no idea. And so to just give my body a second, (laughs) you know, for those of you who this is new to, your body goes through contractions yeah. as if you're having a kid. Yeah. Like, and that was her like shedding. Yeah, it's pain. It's a painful experience. It out. It's and so, it's the most pain I've ever seen you in. It's the most pain I've ever experienced. It's so interesting because I'm sort of like, why did my doctor not tell me this is what I was going to experience? Mm. It seems like you would warn someone, hey, this is what your body's going to do. I was not prepared for that. Right. I was not prepared. Yeah. I literally wasn't even at home. Like I was not, I was not prepared for that. Doctors should make that abundantly clear. That's going to be a quite, quite a painful yes. and uncomfortable process. Yes. I've always been so healthy and right. you've always been, that's never been an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, as long as I've known you. Yeah. So to see you be in so much pain was painful for me to yeah. witness that. I wish um, I could have taken on some of that of course of course i don't think i could have handled all of it but (laughs) (laughs) it's i think i'm getting to the point where where i feel more ready to try again Mm -hmm. but i just needed some time you know that's totally fair it took longer than i thought it would for me to feel ready to try again but i think it's also the the it was the faith journey of knowing that i don't need to be scared to try again okay like i don't have to have fear surrounding you know the next time I find out that I'm pregnant so I think that took longer me getting to that place took longer than I thought it would whatever I I don't even know what I was thinking yeah but um, no that's that makes sense to me yeah Uh, okay last 
like serious one, and then oh. we'll do a rapid round of fun ones. Oh, okay. I right. know I love the serious ones. I read Sarah's blog post about going through and over, overcoming trauma with her last partner, mm. and I wanted to know more about her process of rebuilding her self-esteem because I'm going through a similar situation. My follow-up question for people who ask those kinds of things is mm. always... Do you have a faith foundation? That's the lens that I come through, and I'm never trying to be to be pushy about that. But the only thing that has ever, we just talked about this, the only thing that has really ever gotten me through is my faith. And I, I wrote about this very transparently on my blog. I had to go through a journey of rebuilding where my value came from because that relationship falling apart revealed to me that I was pulling my value from all the wrong places. And just, you know, we kind of talked about it when we were talking about our story. So... In order for for me, for my self-esteem to become healed and for me to actually transform my self-image, I had to learn where my that I have intrinsic value mm. and that my value doesn't come from the way I look, doesn't come from what other people think of me, doesn't come from what I accomplish, doesn't come from anything besides the fact that I'm intrinsically valuable because I am a child of God. So that was what I had to experience because you can logically know that, but if your heart experiences other, you have trauma that you go through, your heart experiences, it, it, it experiences the opposite of that. Like my heart had not experienced that I'm intrinsically valuable because I had never really gone on that journey. I didn't even know my self-image was trash until God revealed it to me at the right time. Um, but it's... it's <laughs> he, he, said, he said, hey, by the way, your self-esteem is trash. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look over here. He this is your self-esteem in the garbage. <laughs> you know, he didn't tell me, but it's, you know, things we, we have, if we, becoming self-aware is a part of that, of that journey. Like I was just not self-aware because I hadn't done the proper work to become self-aware. Everyone's journey is different. So it's hard for me to say like- A blanket statement a, of this is what you do yes, to this, build your self-esteem. Exactly. This is what you do so that you feel healthy and whole. Like it's different for everyone. And, it also, and I think it hugely depends on whether you have a faith foundation or not. Because if you don't, then I'm not sure where you pull your intrinsic value from, to be honest. Because I, I've never, that's just not, hasn't been my journey. I will say, blanket statement, no matter what you believe, find a trusted counselor to talk to, to, to help them. So that you have someone, a professional who can help you figure out the roots of why you don't feel good about yourself. Because you can put a band-aid on that for years and years and years on end. And you'll never, you'll never have true freedom. So find a counselor who can really take you through probably what's a, going to be a painful process of figuring out why don't I like myself? Why don't I feel good about myself? Because there's something, there's a reason, there's a reason why. And usually it's rooted in lies. You know, it has nothing to do with who you actually are or what you bring to the table. It has very little to do with truth. If, if truth at all, most of the time, but, but a counselor is really who can help pull pull that out in, yeah. in my experience that's good yeah big big advocates for uh finding a good counselor yeah who can help you get to the root of, root of things good question though oh why thank you <laughs> it wasn't me it was somebody else mm -hmm. we're gonna finish it up with a rapid round of fun ones okay ready uh, yeah okay. if i could handle the other ones i'm ready for <laughs> these fun ones what is your cocktail of choice oh uh i go through 
different faces. What's your first one that comes to mind? The first one I thought of was an Aperol spritz, yeah. but now it's cold. So I'm not, I probably won't want an Aperol spritz anymore. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love an Aperol spritz. You're not doing well on the rapid round. <laughs> What's a pet peeve that Micah does? Hawking. Uh-huh. Can't stand the hawking. For those of you who don't know what hawking is. You can probably figure it out. <laughs> Newsflash. If you do that in public, don't. I have allergies. I've always had mm. allergies my whole life, and it's become like a habit where I, because I, I have post-nasal drip, and so then I just want to clear my throat all the time. And so, yeah, it is annoying it's, when, it, when I hear it. It's I, awful. I it. yeah. It's awful. But, but it's literally the only thing. I couldn't even think of anything else. That's the only thing. That's a lie, but we're going to move on. <laughs> so the next one is favorite Christmas movie. Well, it depends on the mood you're in. Yeah, pick one. First, the one that comes to mind. Uh, the holiday. Thank you. You didn't tell me this was like, like, this is how I had to do this. Well, that's what I'm telling you now. <laughs> favorite Christmas song. Favorite Christmas song. I know. Gosh, I don't know. Probably Oh Holy Night, the NSYNC version. Oh, Okay. I was thinking Acapella. the way I'm the last Christmas I, I gave you. Don't get me wrong. I love last Christmas. Last Christmas gave you my heart. So good. But, but if you haven't listened to the NSYNC, Oh Holy Night, Acapella no, it's version, so good. it the, is fire. Ooh, 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 ooh. It's so good. It is so good. Ooh, oh, oh, man. So it is. Got to play it. <sighs> yeah, we got to play it. Favorite Disney movie? I truly... Do not know what my favorite Disney movie You're is. You're bad at this. I. It's the first one that comes to mind. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Beauty and the Beast, but Good. I don't know if that's my favorite. Favorite musical to belt in the car? Uh, Probably Legally Blonde or Wicked. Those are great. It's <laughs> a fun question. What is it really like? This is a, a, This is a serious question from somebody. What is it really like to be married to a sexy husband who can sing? <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly as incredible as it appears to be. It is truly a, a blessing, a gift from above. Uh, I'm blushing. <laughs> oh, what is it really like? Yeah, what is it really like? <laughs> it's as is it as good as it seems? It is. That's all. Wow. That's all. Oh, oh wait. Okay. We'll we'll do fine. Well, one final one. Okay. Uh, what is the, your favorite show that you've ever been in? Oh, interesting. It's so funny because it's I'm multifaceted with these questions because it's like, I mean, I, my two favorite shows. Are Forty Second Street and Legally Blonde, uh -huh. and I've done both of those multiple times, uh -huh. and I love them both uh -huh. so much. I would say, but then it's like doing Beauty and the Beast. I met you; that was such a formative time in my life, so I have affinity for that as well. But I think probably my time when I played Anytime Annie in Forty Second Street—that was probably my favorite performing experience that I've ever had because it was—I love that show, and it was a—it was a challenge for me because we were learning the show really very quickly mm -hmm. and there are parts where I had to tap alone and that is like like I'm a I'm a good tapper but yeah but that's terrifying it can it definitely can be <laughs> it stretched me and I also like kind of got an Achilles injury during that uh contract you're like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> please um <laughs> one and the same and I was inhibited at times where I couldn't put my tap shoes on because I had needed to keep my feet flat versus in heels. We were in heeled taps. Mm. That's also the thing. Like oh in, in heeled taps for eight hours a that day. That sounds terrifying. I'd break an ankle for um, sure. That was a really rewarding experience. And it was so fun. 
I would love to do that show again. I would love to like train aggressively for a time and be able to play either anytime Annie again. I don't know if I would, if I would be willing to train myself hard enough to be able to play Peggy Sawyer, the lead. I'm also maybe too old for that at this point. Yeah, well, probably not. But I think you can pull it off. I, People think you're in your twenties all the time. <laughs> now I'm well, thinking about now I'm thinking about tap, and I'm like, I want to take a tap class. Yeah. Well, let's see it. No. Okay. <laughs> Just tap on the mic for all, all the podcast I, I listeners have, that are watching. I have a friend who I did who's actually Peggy Sawyer in a in a in a production of Forty Second Street that I did, and she posted a little thing on Instagram of her like teaching this little tap combo. Oh, cool! And I don't know what you were doing. It was literally the other night. I was in there. I learned the I learned the whole thing. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. I learned the whole like it wasn't it wasn't super long I but I learned it's like it's meant to be like a like a rhythm like a rhythm and kind of like small small like movement s- like, like soft ankle. shoe no not soft shoe just like ankle like ankle control um, more of like an exercise combination than like a performing combination and I learned the whole thing and I was doing it and I was like this is so fun I love this that's, I miss this I would awesome. I, I need to get back into class yeah that'll be fun well if any show wants to you know Hire her for a small stint. <laughs> Let me train up first. <laughs> she's really, she's yeah, stretch, stretch, stretch the uh, stretch the ankles. Out my Achilles tendons. Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> it's the year of Achilles injuries this year. So, football reference. Not over here. Anyway, yeah. well, we might have to see that little ditty that you learned. I don't I for, know where I, I was that you learned that entire thing. Yeah, I don't know what. I don't remember and what you were sorry doing. to our downstairs neighbors. Well, I wasn't wearing tap shoes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was fun thank you for sharing all those things i even learned something today i feel like i need to interview you okay that'd be fun that would be all right so the next time you'll you'll interview me yeah that'd be good for those of you who haven't yet please subscribe if you want to just like lick the subscribe button or or boop it with your nose actually boop it boop the subscribe button with your nose right now i'll even give you a little bit of time all right i gave you enough time so yeah, it's like, have you seen those dogs with the, the iPads yes. that, you know, like, and the little thing and they're, they're bopping it with their nose and their, yeah, just do that. Yeah. Do that with, to the subscribe button <laughs> and leave a comment. We'll, we'll be shouting out comments here, uh, in, in future podcasts. So maybe your comment will be shouted out. Fun. Fun, fun, fun. And we end the podcast as we always do with a... Goodbye. Okay, I it ended. It didn't start good. It started horribly, but, but it ended. I think with a harmony. Decent. I don't know. If yeah, it, it was pretty it, good. Was yeah. it a dissonant harmony? No, it was a good harmony. Okay. It was good. Hmm. It just started terrible. It started really yeah. bad. We're gonna get one where both are spot on. I don't know. I think like we the will. odds of the first one landing are pretty slim. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>